Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, what is happening out there in Electric Liberty land, folks? Welcome to this latest edition. This is episode 30, which means you can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL37. 37! Yeah, welcome to the show, guys. I am Brian McWilliams, as per usual, sitting here, sipping on a nice... Yingling traditional lager. Oh, baby. I tell you, if you are not on the East Coast, you may or may not ever have tasted Yingling, America's oldest and best brewery, in my opinion. Even though Barack Obama apparently became a fan of this beer. That's a that's a knock on it, but you know. <laughs> to each his own. But uh yeah, I'm greatly enjoying it. I can't get this out here on the West Coast. They do not distribute it out here. Pisses me off. Gotta smuggle some up the old canary hole. But either way, I'm enjoying it today here with you, talking about liberty, slinging the some liberty suds. So welcome, guys, to the show. Uh, this will be a longer show today. I promised you that I was going to go on a little bit longer because I had had to have some truncated episodes, about 30 minutes long, the last couple, couple editions. Had some family in town, had some other uh, issues to deal with. So don't worry, going to hit on a lot of topics today, and there is a ton of to talk about. My God, is there a lot to talk about. So, top of the show, first thing I want to address is I want to talk a little bit about 9-11. Of course, it's two days after 9-11 now, but I'm sure you're still seeing tweets pop up in your feed and stories about 9-11 coming through. Now, if you didn't hear Mark's show on Monday airing on 9-11 with Scott Horton, make sure to tune into that. That's a great interview. Scott's always a great guest, and he's talking about his latest book, Scott's, that is, not Mark's. Uh, his latest book about Afghanistan and 9-11 and that whole ongoing war, which has hit like 16 years at this point. So listen to that, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. So check that out. But from my own standpoint, I did want to talk about 9-11 just a little bit. Mainly because I just, I get fed up to hell with all of the hashtag never forget hoopla. Now, I understand that people want to honor the people that died on 9-11. And I don't want to take anything away from the victims from that day, especially the first responders that rushed in to save those people and then were crushed and burned. I mean, that is horrible. Those people are heroes. You can argue for privatization of fire companies and for privatization of the police, and you can argue against their pensions, and you can argue against uh, the use of force that the police do take part in from time to time. But on that day, those people selflessly raced into that building to help, and they were all killed. And, I mean, it's horrible. It was tragic. So I don't want to take anything away from that. But what I do want to take away from is this constant harping upon it and making sure that every American hashtag never forgets 9-11. Because if you want to remember 
you remember it. They'll be teaching it in school. They'll be, I mean, there's no way to get around the event happening. We all remember it. When you see 9 and 11, you immediately think of that day. Now, as generations further go down the line, they'll be reminded, like I said, they'll be taught it in school. I have zero doubt about it. What really bothers me about reminding us about this isn't the concentration on the fact that it was an attack on domestic soil. I mean, really, the only attack since the British on the mainland in America. The emphasis is on rekindling the fear of that happening again. Reshowing the images of the towers getting slammed into by those airplanes. Showing the carnage. Showing the horror. Showing everything that you need to be afraid of. That seems to be the focus for a lot of people. If you listen to Donald Trump's speech on 9-11, he basically said that. Enemies too horrible that you can even imagine. Horrible, horrible enemies. Everybody hide in your houses. Let Papa government take care of it. That's what I'm getting very fed up with. And of course, the TV, the TV stations, they echo it because they're part of the establishment. They're in cahoots with the government. So they're echoing it. We see during our NFL games on Monday night, of course, they're doing a big honoring ceremony. We're pulling out uh, military members and policemen and all these forces for the government. We're parading them out on the field. These are the people that are, that are really going to take care of us for you. This is what's happening. We're going to keep you safe as long as you don't get in our way. As long as you don't question what we're doing. Never mind questioning why 9-11 happened in the first place. Never mind questioning the fact that we've been active in the Middle East for the past 50 years, doing the same shit over and over again. And wow, they did something about it finally. I'm not condoning the action. I'm not saying that it was deserved. I'm saying that to think that eventually something's not going to happen when you're over messing with people for that long. And a coalition, by the way. Of the, you know, the people in 9-11, the bombers in 9-11, it was a coalition of people from a lot of different countries. A lot of Saudi Arabia, our greatest ally. <laughs> in the, well, not our greatest, I guess. Uh, Israel would probably be the greatest uh, if you're going by textbook. But either way, still a friend of the U.S. But it was a, it was a people from all different countries banded together to attack America under a banner of Al-Qaeda. But God forbid you question what led up to that happening. And of course, the response to this happening is what? Oh, let's go and let's stay in Afghanistan for 16 years, even though there's absolutely no goal in sight. Other than us legitimately taking over that entire country uh, en masse. I mean, full-scale invasion. That's the only way we would possibly be able to get control of that country again. This latest push for troops that Trump's doing, it's not going to do anything. Absolutely nothing. Obama tried it. What happened? Oh, nothing. What's going to happen now? Nothing. There's no way we're going to be successful there. People on the ground even tell you that. The the people that live in Afghanistan, once the U.S. moves out of the region, if the Taliban come in, they're like, whatever, man. I don't want to get shot. I'm not going to die for you. I'm not going to die for the Americans that taught me how to to run a border check here. They say, all right, come on in. Whatever, you're in charge now. I just want to live my life. I want to raise my family. And meanwhile... Because we're reminded, though, of everything that happened on 9-11, not only do these wars continue, not only is this authorization to use military force continuing, which was I mean, put into place 2001. Big shock. Still in place today. So that's ongoing. 
You've got the new, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it now, the, uh, what replaced the Patriot Act is still in place. Of course, Teddy Cruz, oh, big fan of that. Big opponent of the Patriot Act. Big fan of this new national security, make America great uh, bill, whatever the hell he called it, which basically does the exact same thing, keeps all, all of the provisions, save maybe two, in place that the Patriot Act had to spy on Americans, to squash our rights. Guantanamo Bay, still open. <laughs> Suspension of habeas corpus, still happening. All of these things, all those things Obama promised to do, did none of them. Absolutely none of them. And don't think that he doesn't one that also loved to crow about 9-11. Never forget. Never forget. Like, God. It's just, it's indoctrinating people. It is literally cementing into our brains that this is the way things are and have to be and have always been. This is like when people say, what happens? Who's going to build the roads? Who's going to put the electricity in? Who's going uh, to be running the farms and make sure that people aren't getting poisoned? Who is it, who's going to be the cops? Who are going to be our firefighters? Because they can't think of a time when government didn't run those things. Well, pretty soon, the next generation won't be able to think of a time when they didn't have the government domestically spying on everything they're doing. Where the president didn't have the authorization to send hundreds of thousands of troops overseas into a country at the drop of a hat without congressional approval. And hashtag never forget is the biggest goddamn tool in their arsenal, the biggest gun they've got in the armory to keep firing away at the public and remind them that we have to keep allowing this. We have to let it go forward. We should never say a peep because God forbid it happens again. Never mind that I don't think it would ever happen again, even if nothing was done at all, because simply simply stating it. Uh, once somebody crashes airplanes into your plane, to your towers, you pretty much know. Oh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna try not to let that happen again. Now we know what to look for. Never mind that there haven't been any real attacks since that happened. Sixteen years later, despite more, <laughs> well, actually, I'd say there have been more terrorist attacks since the government started doing all of these measures. Many, many more domestic terrorist attacks from these free radical kind of guys that are getting brainwashed and, and coming at us. But, oh, yeah, keep doing what we're doing. It just, it, honestly, it just makes me crazy. And, uh, and the more I see people defend it, and it's just, you can't, you can't say anything against the celebration. And that's what it is. It's a celebration of 9-11, of what happened. Can't say anything against it, because God knows you will be branded as a traitor a non-patriot to the nation. How dare you question what happened? Don't you love the victims? Yes, I do. I, I do. I care about them. I care about the first responders. I care about the people in this country. That's why I want things to change. That's why I want our, our rights to come back. That's why I want wars to stop being enacted without congressional approval against people that haven't actually done anything against us, against nations that have uh, governments that are just kind of, you know, a world away. And we drop bombs on them and create more terrorists. That's, that's more what I'm concerned with than putting a hashtag on my Twitter. Call me crazy. One guy who's not crazy, Rand Paul. Rand Paul's actually, uh, as of the time of this recording, 
had been sitting on the Senate floor insisting that he would slow walk any sort of defense spending bill, basically just getting in the way, putting amendments on every single aspect of the defense spending bill to just jam it up and, uh, and basically not allow it to pass if they didn't agree to have a vote on the AUMF or the Authorization of Use of Military Force, which, again, was created in 2001. It's been going on for 16 years now. And Congress keeps saying, oh, we want to we want to, you know, bring it up and vote on it. They never do. They always try to vote it down. And until Paul boldly stood up today and said, no more, you're going to vote on this. And they they acquiesced. Mitch McConnell was talking to him earlier. They acquiesced. They're going to vote on it as as of the time of this airing. They may have already voted. So let's hope that they voted to rein in the authorization of use of military force by the president and make sure it goes through Congress now. So good job, Rand, on that. We'll give you know what? Let's give him a Paulus. Say he earned that one, right? Yeah, good old Rand. He earned a Paulus there. I'll tell you when I was uh, visiting my fraternity years ago. Now it's got to be two thousand eight, two thousand nine. There's a lot of guys in the house that had been. Uh, they're like ROTC guys, you know, military dudes. And remember playing beer pong. Sitting there, and I brought up the same point, same thing, same thing I did now, but then. So it's even we've been going through like another eight years of this shit, and I brought it up then at the same point I just told you guys that I just I don't like the fetishization of nine eleven as a tool for propaganda for government and as a tool to keep the populace suppressed. And I said, just told him, I said, I don't appreciate it every year. It's got to be made into this giant thing, and oh my god. You would not believe the reactions from these people. They got so upset trying to, I mean, that was like guys trying to fight me. I said, why? I said, what's, what? And they go, well, because we're, you know, we're military, man. I'm like, okay. And what is that? What does that have to do? So, so you're happy. You, you think that it's a good thing that we're having our military be deployed all over the place. What did you sign up for, man? You signed up to protect the country. You didn't sign up to go traipsing all over the world. Dropping bombs on people, <laughs> blowing up people's houses that haven't done anything without a, without congressional authority. That's what you signed up for. I mean, it took some talking to get these people to, to see logic, but it was just like that's what I'm talking about. This instinctual response people have a just a immediate emotional response. So these guys, you know, they're more conservatively bent. This is Pennsylvania, man. Military dudes, RTC dudes in Pennsylvania, and their immediate reaction is like, what, what'd you say, dude? What'd you say, man, about 9-11? You talking, you talking about my, my, my 9-11? Just saying, rein it in. See some logic. Okay, what should we talk about next? How's about, uh, what do we talk about? Let's lighten it up. Why don't we talk about the story du jour on Tuesday, which was that Ted Cruz... His profile, uh, his official campaign slash uh, senatorial Twitter page liked a pornography site's tweet. That's what the big story was. People could not get enough of it. I mean, I woke up today and all I saw was Ted Cruz scandal, and I said, "Oh my god, Ted Cruz scandal! What in the what in the hell could that be about? What has he done now? Did he did he you know, make some legislative gaffe? Did did Ted?" 
Call somebody a racist name? What could he have done? No, 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 none of that. No, Ted Cruz's Twitter feed liked another post, and not, not the page, just liked one post from a site called Sexual Posts. <laughs> this is the most lazy, obvious, and generic name I've ever heard for a Twitter porno feed. I mean, come on, man. That's the best you can come up with? Sexual Posts. I mean, I guess it's on the nose. If you're getting your porn off Twitter, you probably are not the most intelligent person. So I guess they figured go for the low-hanging fruit. But uh, so Ted likes some post. It's like a picture of a woman watching uh, a man bang a chick on the couch. And she's like, oh, what's going on? That's basically it. <laughs> I, again, you can see it in the show notes. I linked to an article there. But the Internet went crazy. And, of course, people are using it. And rightly so, I guess, to rightly so poke fun at Teddy because he had tried to say that, you know, nobody should be should be manipulating other people out of a loving relationship. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be masturbating. You shouldn't be for self-pleasuring. So he's a bit of a prude. And it is funny to see him like a Twitter, a, uh, you know, sexual Twitter post. But what I do also love, though, is like the progressive reaction is this. It's like reacting as though this is uh, the craziest thing in the world. And oh, and like half the people are saying like he's, oh, I can't believe he's, he's so, so evil. And it's like, come on. If you're progressive, the last thing you should be complaining about is, is anything having to do with porn. Like, give me a break. I mean, we want diversity for all peoples. We want everybody to be accepted. But, you know, a guy can't watch porn. Get over yourself. This actually reminds me a little bit about another story, tangentially involved with this story, but in like Washington, outside of Seattle, Washington, there's a town which had banned bikini baristas. And if you're not familiar with this, there's a ton of Instagram accounts out there. I follow a couple of them, but it's basically just hot chicks in bikinis to serve you coffee. And that's it. They're not sucking your dick. They're not uh, giving handy J's. They're not doing anything. They're not showing any boobs off. They're just giving you coffee. And people like it because it's hot chicks giving you coffee in the morning. Best part of waking up, right? So this town banned it. And their logic is they're saying it was, you know, it's taking advantage of the women and uh, blah, 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 blah. Bunch of crap. Never mind that really this is empowering to women. They're not even naked, for Christ's sakes. I, that's what, I don't understand this argument when, when progressives or liberals, they say, oh, you know, we have to protect women's, women's rights and feminism by banning people from doing sex work or banning people from being shown in a sexual manner. It's like, wh- why? If they want to do that, who are you to stand in their way? If they want to use sexuality to take advantage of the stupidity of men or the sexual attraction of men to make money and get ahead, what's the problem with that? You getting in the way and saying this is against women, if anything, is more anti-feminist than, you, than anything the other side could possibly do. Let them parade around nude if they want. If they're making amazing money, then goddamn, it seems like feminism's winning out to me. Not only they have men wrapped around their finger, that they're getting paid bank to do it. Let them do it. So anyway, again, it's this, it's this kind of do as I do as I say, not do as I do thing. It's like I'm not understanding the hypocrisy of the moment. Anyway, so long story short, Teddy Cruz, this sexual post website, gets all, all this hoopla going. And of course, you know, Ted doesn't actually run the account. There's no way in hell. The only guy of power that runs his own account is Donald Trump. And goddamn, does he ever run it? Uh, if you see Donald Trump liking sexual posts, he probably did actually physically like it. I will say that. I think he only follows like one person and it's his daughter. But 
If he likes something, yeah, all right, fair game. And it would be hilarious if Anonymous hacked his account and just followed a ton of porn. That would be fantastic. And I really hope it happens. But yeah, there's no way Ted's running his own account. And so that's basically what he said. He goes, look, somebody, somebody clicked something. We'll find out who it was. I don't think it was malicious. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to worry about it, which is probably the best way you could respond to it. But again, that didn't stop everybody, including myself, from imagining Ted Cruz masturbating. And uh, you know what? Ted Cruz looks a lot like the new Seattle, uh, Seattle Seahawks logo. Just throwing it out there. Imagining a bird masturbating is kind of the way I looked at it. Like a hawk or like the, <laughs> like the early bird getting the worm with his beak, his Ted Cruz beak. Ah, cruising or bruising. Bruising that wang. So anyway, that was a big thing. But then at the same time today, while this is all going on, this, all this Ted Cruz stuff is overshadowing what's going on with Hillary Clinton launching her book called What Happened? Or as I like to call it, a, uh, a cryography instead of a biography, because my God, it's just, can you be like, can you be more of a whiny, sore, losing dick? I mean, Jesus Christ, to write an entire book whining about how you got done wrong when you are the most entitled, the most establishment, the most well-funded, well-known, supported by political parties on both sides, mind you. You have people from the GOP supporting Hillary Clinton. I mean, what what other advantages can you possibly ask for? The Democratic Party cheated for you. They gave people debate questions so you would look better. They undermined your rival in plain sight, and you still lost. But God damn it, Hillary, tell us how it was all racist or sexist or whatever the hell else you want to tell us happened to you. I love it. I'm never going to read it, but I love it. But here's the question I pose after, after knowing this, right? So Ted Cruz likes a porno tweet. <laughs> Hillary Clinton puts out this ridiculous self-indulgent memoir. I ask you, Who's guilty of masturbating more? (laughs) Who of those two is jerking themselves off more here? Because I know, for me, it's definitely Hillary Clinton. She's stroking herself in the middle of Barnes & Noble right now. Maybe maybe Cruz hit a tweet, and I'm sure he spanks the Cruz gherkin. I'm sure he takes the wagon and uh, starts the flagging, but... Again, he's not uh, jerking it publicly on a national tour that's avoiding, by the way, all of the main stops where all of her big donor bases are. (laughs) She's not coming to L.A. And everybody's pissed off about it that support her because she's too cowardly, just like on election night when she was too cowardly to face her supporters when she lost and left them sitting out there weeping in the aisles, weeping into their scarves and weeping into their beards. And their coiled hipster mustaches. She left them weeping because she was too much of a coward to go out and face them. And just like that, she is too much of a coward on this book tour to go and face her donor base. I think it's great. So please, Hillary, keep writing those books, baby. Keep putting them out. Okay, what should we talk about next? How about, let's talk about the 15.3 billion dollar relief and debt spending bill and 
I will get right into that as soon as we get back from this commercial. Three, two, one. Hey folks, I'm Remso W. Martinez, the host of the one, the only Remso Republic podcast. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking, to be exact. This is a pitch for another show. I already listened to too many. But hey, I've got news for you. Each and every Wednesday, you can escape the mindless entertainment and loud political pundits by escaping to the place which truly is the clash of punk rock and politics, the Remso Republic. From comedians to politicians to real-life superheroes and liberty activists, we don't stick to normal often as we hard charge each and every week to bring you the freshest entertainment and news in an ocean of shows fighting for your attention. We're on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and many more platforms. Don't miss out. Join the fun and be awesome. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remzorepublic.com. All right. Thank you to Remzo. Make sure you guys check that show out. He's a good dude. Friend of our podcast, of course. Now, swinging back in here, let's talk about this $15.3 billion spending bill for Hurricane Harvey relief, which also comes with a nice attachment for a raise to the debt ceiling. So, yeah, you know, while we're talking about the progressive hypocrisy that goes on, this is another thing which I just... I couldn't help thinking how much of a shitstorm would be raised if the Republicans did this same dirty garbage that the Democrats pulled in conjunction with hurricane relief. Obviously, Hurricane Harvey happened, destroyed Houston. And I want to remind everybody, by the way, to please do check out the Donor C that we have going with uh, Daniel Lee, good listener of the show, big fan. So please do help him out because he was hit hard along with some of his family members. So, again, that is in the show notes. So check that out. Donate what you can. But Harvey was hit. or uh, Houston was hit hard by Harvey. Irma obviously just ravaged through parts of Florida. And uh, fortunately for me, my parents were in Tampa Bay, uh, right outside of Tampa Bay. And the hurricane did go through there. But by the time it got to them, it had been lowered to like a Category 2 storm, a Category 1. So they were okay, despite being camped out in a hallway. Like, <laughs> like literally, I was calling my dad yelling at him, like, get out of there! But uh, literally, I like, camped in a hallway with some mattresses and you know, food, canned ravioli and, uh, you know. They got some lanterns there. They got some whatevers. But uh, they're all good. They avoided damage, thank God. But you got, obviously, people are laid out. And, and Trump wants to look responsive. The government always wants to look responsive, even though, as I've said before, FEMA's a joke. Giving to the Red Cross, also a joke. Both bureaucracies that move incredibly slowly, have no idea what's going on at a local level, are far less efficient with your money than if you just give it to local organizations like the Cajun Navy, which is who we had responded and supported to with the Harvey situation initially. So you got this bill, $15.3 billion for rebuilding, right? And that only got through with the Democratic agreement of pushing the debt ceiling up. That's what they tacked on. So we have to raise the debt ceiling again, which now pushes the debt past $20 trillion for the first time in history. $20 trillion. Think about that. It's like a million dollars a minute. It is unfathomable. If you had brought this up to people 50 years ago, they would have thought you were mad. 
because there was no way that much money could possibly exist in the world. But of course, since then, we have started to make the most of our fiat currency and given the Fed unhindered ability to print money out of its asshole. So say hello to your new debt ceiling. Like I said, this this passed easily, this uh, this this $15.3 billion spending bill. But again, the fact that the Democrats held it up, they said, no, we're not going to allow Harvey relief to be funded unless you raise the debt ceiling. And this is against, by the way, against requests from Senator Mike Lee, against people like Rand Paul, to offset disaster relief funding with cuts to foreign aid, which is a perfectly logical way to get around it without having to raise any more debt, without having to go and spend any more money that we don't have. So they wanted to take it away from foreign aid. That was, of course, slapped down. Because God forbid we stop giving money to other countries that does absolutely nothing for us and give it to our own people instead. No, no. We have to continue giving everyone money because money, obviously, as we all know, is uh, an infinite resource. It has no no uh, need. It has no, there's no walls. There's no reality around money anymore. Just print more of it. Screw the rest of us over. Get that inflation up. So again, debt ceiling gets raised. And like I said, though, the hypocrisy here is that if the Republicans had pulled any sort of funky uh, gamesmanship around this type of bill, the progressive narrative would have been, my God, can you believe how little conservatives care about the victims of this tragedy? In the wake of all this destruction, in the wake of all these people losing their lives and their homes, all they can think about is politics and money. How many people have you heard say a peep now that the Democrats have done it? The only person that I heard say a peep about it is Mike Lee, who basically said that this is a pretty despicable thing to do, considering that this was supposed to be something to help with the funding for relief victims and should not have been tied into some political maneuvering, which is exactly what it was. But again, deafening silence on that. Where are these compassionate progressives? Where are these people that are saying, hey, I can't believe these people I supported would do this. If we're going to support these people, just give them the money. And again, I'm not saying that. But if we're going to support these people, give them the money. And how dare you try to make this about your bullshit political agenda and raising the debt ceiling to keep all your other crap programs funded. But that's exactly what happened. And we are just hearing a deafening silence from the hypocrites of the left. I mean, it's absolutely inexcusable. And it's just like the anti-war movement. What happened to the anti-war movement? Where are all the Democrats that are standing with Rand Paul? Which is something he said, by the way, during this this speech today, when he was up there stumping to stop the authorization to reuse of military force. He raised that exact question. He said, where is the anti-war left? Where are all of you that said you wanted to rein in the war powers? I mean, Trump's in office now. You have more than an excuse than you ever had to rein it in, and yet you still won't do it because you're terrified of the military-industrial complex. You're terrified that people will think that you're going against 9-11. The boogeyman will come to get us if you rein in that power. It's ridiculous. So this $15.3 billion uh, spending bills through, the debt ceiling has once again been raised. Now there's no threat of a government shutdown because that was looming. 
the the quote unquote government shutdown, the biggest farce that's ever been invented. Because all that happens during government shutdown is they cr- they close down the least essential of all government entities. Nothing shuts down. Congress doesn't shut down. The military, the police, none of that crap shuts down. The little ancillary services shut down, which people insist can't be privatized, by the way. I love that. I love that, by the way. When the government shuts down all of these things, which would easily run by private agencies or personal people or small governments that are run locally, all these things shut down. And you know what? Nobody gives a crap. It affects nobody's lives. Nobody's lives are affected adversely. Maybe three people. Maybe a homeless man can't go to a library. If it was a library that was run by a private entity, maybe he'd still go in. It would be like $3 for him to get his uh, library card. Go in there right there. It'd still be open. But I just love that. It just it cracks me up. So anyway, sadly, that's not going to happen now. No no government shutdown, guys. We're going to – that narrative – you know, and it really is too bad. I think the Democrats misstepped there because they should just let it happen. That way the media could have their own field day with the government shutdown and how it's all Trump's fault. I mean, come on, guys. Think ahead. Trump's 4D chess outplaying you here. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's his whole move. He's just way too far ahead of these Dems. They can't keep up. Avoid government shutdown. One less thing they could get him on. <laughs> so, anywho, that, that passed pretty unanimously. And one of the things, though, that comes out of this spending bill is that, you know, there's been at least four or five senators that I remember reading comments about saying that, oh, you know what, even though this hurricane caused so much destruction, even though it put so many people out of their homes, caused loss of life, loss of property, people's cars are destroyed underwater, people's houses are destroyed. These these idiots, they go, well, you know what, but it's going to boost the local economy because those are cars that have to be replaced and houses that have to be built. And there's new industry that'll rise up to, to, to service these people that need all these, these vital equipments and these vital houses and, and goods, which is just, again, this is a reiteration of the fallacy of broken windows. If you're not familiar with that, it's essentially that in a nutshell, saying that if you break a window then it's a good thing because then you're giving a, a frame maker job who's going to frame the glass. You're giving the, the glass maker a job to create a new window. You're giving the installer a job to put in the new window. So even though, so you took a, a good that was just sitting there, it was already purchased, it was doing nothing for the economy, and by destroying it, you're stimulating the economy. Oh, whew. What, what a brilliant logic, infallible logic. <laughs> So no, of course, that it's ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. It only makes sense in the context of people not valuing what exists and not valuing people's rights to property and, and, and how property that you do own has its own intrinsic value that is ongoing. And while you can say, okay, let's say that these senators are arguing, like, let's say we take their argument to its conclusion. So we say, okay, so these people now have no cars, they have no houses. So, okay, you're going to have craftsmen come in from where? From out of state, because <laughs> the state infrastructure is destroyed, or a lot of it is anyway. So you're going to bring these people in. You're going to have all this work for all these contractors coming in. All these new industries going to be created to, to rev up and provide these people with the products that they now need, with the houses that they now need. Okay, great. So that's a lot of activity. However, empirically, 
when you look at it, because these people's lives have been destroyed, well, you're now actually negatively impacting the economy. You're negatively impacting the output because this guy probably doesn't have a job who previously had a job. He now he doesn't have anywhere to live, so he has got to spend money on finding a place to live in the interim. He has to pay these new people. So it's like you're it's not like this is just generated out of nothing and all this new economy comes at no cost. It comes at a very severe and steep cost. And if this guy is spending all of his money to replace stuff that he already had, He's not spending on anything else. He's not saving any money. He's not putting any in the bank. He's not supplying any money to his children. He's not supplying any money to any any of his, the local businesses around him that he otherwise would have bought products from. What if this man was going to start a business? Or what if he already had a business? What are the lost wages that come from that business being destroyed while this guy waits for all of this new, this great new economy of things to come in here and rebuild his business at a great cost. What What is the cost that is just lost in time and wages for his employees in the products that he generated that are not being sold to other people now? It's like, there's absolutely no logic to this argument that, out of destruction, only good things come, or that this is in any way, shape, or form a silver lining. It's not. It is without a doubt a complete negative on everyone involved except the one guy who drove in from Ohio that happens to be a plumber or a drywall specialist. That guy makes out, but he makes out at an extreme cost to the person who is at a disadvantage or a person that's been put out of their home here. So, if anybody tries to tell you this broken windows theory is sound and solid and, oh, well, don't worry, good things come of it, feel free to smack them upside the head. Well, I guess that would violate the NAP. Don't do that. Don't smack them upside the head. Verbally smack them upside the head and lay down some solid logic on them because it's an argument that has, that holds no water. And I try to say that without making a bad hurricane flooding pun. So reject it at its face. Okay, two more stories, and then I'm going to wrap this show up now that we've dismissed the broken windows fallacy. So you might be familiar with Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray was an African-American man in Baltimore who was arrested. Apparently, he allegedly had a switchblade on him at the time of arrest. He was thrown in the back of a police van by six cops. And somehow, during the ride to the detainment center or the police station, Freddie Gray sustained a head injury, a broken spine, and nerve damage and spinal cord damage just during the normal course of a ride to the police station. This went before a uh, hearings court and or the district attorney, and they've decided that they're not going to be pressing any charges against the officers. Despite the fact that this man died in their custody, And they have no explanation as to how it happened other than he fell down while in the van. Because people routinely fall over with such extreme force that they smash and injure their own heads, break their spines, and incur spinal cord damage. Because, I mean, God, you know, you take some tough turns driving around the crowded streets of Baltimore... And sometimes you got to shop store. I mean, what, what if there was a little old lady in the street, right? Maybe that's what the cops said happened. Maybe they had to stop short for Girl Scout cookies. 
And they re- they opened a little hatch, and they asked Freddie Gray. They said, hey, Freddie, what kind of peanut butter can... Oh, no, Freddie, your spine. Your spine's broken. I guess you don't want any cookies. So they dropped it. No charges. No charges for these cops. They are apparently going to be internally... Um, <laughs> charged with, I don't even know. I mean, they're not telling us what they're going to be charged. They're, they're going to t- face some sort of internal punishment. And again, knowing anything about any police organization, any any uh, station, any police force, we see this time and time again. Any punishment they face is typically a paid suspension or they get fired with full pensions. That's what happens every time. of the time, it works every time. Except it's cops. It's like 90% of the time, it works every time. So it's no justice to see them say, okay, well, you know, their internal department's going to take care of us. They're going to slap them on the wrist. No, bullshit. These cops should have been charged with, if not murder, manslaughter. Because while a man is in your custody, if he went into a van and his spine wasn't broken, and he comes out and his spine is broken... You know what? Something must have happened. I think you'd be responsible for something because he's in your custody. You are now responsible for keeping him safe because you haven't charged him with anything. You don't know if that's even his switchblade. You haven't proved anything yet. You found a guy, had a switchblade, you threw him in a van. Now he's dead. And we're not charging him with anything. That's just totally cool. That's fine. Totally good. I mean, this, this precedent has to change. And I told you a story about it was in California, a uh, senator had put forth a bill to put a third party adjudicator in here to say, okay, when these type of cases come up, it goes to this third party. And this third party will evaluate whether or not charges should be filed. Because we see clearly the DA doesn't want to charge these people. They're all in cahoots. It's all one big brothers club. So they just get off scot-free. They go skipping down the goddamn street. They get a slap on the wrist. They get to go sit on their asses at home for three months and get paid. Meanwhile, Freddie Gray's dead with a broken spine. This is not the first time we've seen it. I can remember a case where a woman was found dead in her cell, beaten to death in her cell. How did it happen? We don't know. We don't know. I think that was in Chicago, if I'm remembering correctly. But this kind of stuff just never ends. And despite all this attention, I mean, look, we Black Lives Matter, whether or not you have a positive or negative opinion of Black Lives Matter, you can't argue that they have not been in the mainstream media. You can't argue that it's not something we are all aware of right now. I mean, Christ, look at Ferguson, look at all these places, look at all these things that are, look at all the riots that took place. And yet we still have cops getting let off scot-free for breaking a man's spine in the back of a van with no evidence to say anything happened, no reasoning for it to happen, no legitimate story to even come close to explaining how it could possibly have happened by the laws of physics. But they get off with slap on the wrist. Unbelievable. So, sorry, Freddie Gray. You may not have been the best guy in the world. I didn't know you personally. I don't know, you may have been a scumbag, but you certainly deserve to get justice just like anybody else in this country did. But that clearly was not going to happen in Baltimore. Okay, last story we're going to finish up on. You might have remembered, and I God, I can't remember the episode name, 
But or, or the episode number, pardon me. But you might remember telling you about PETA, one of the most disgusting, inefficient, murderous organizations on the face of the planet. Tragically, also a well-funded organization because celebrities are stupid and so are most of the people you know. But you might be remembering telling you about PETA and how PETA took a lawsuit against a photographer who went to the, uh, to the jungle and spent his time and money to get there, gave these local monkeys, and I know I'm going to mess this name up, but I think they're called Crested Mox, Maquez? <laughs> M-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Crested Mackies. Uh, anyway, he gave them one of his fa- his cameras, like a smartphone kind of camera, and he taught them through kind of trial and error how to use the phone and take a selfie of themselves. I guess he kind of you know monkey see monkey do type of thing. He left the phone there. Monkeys picked it up, click, took a picture of themselves. Thing went viral. This dude David Slater got a bunch of money off of it. It was a sensational photo. Oh, my God, this is so adorable. These monkeys taking pictures of themselves. What's not to love? Well, PETA, shitbag PETA, who kills more animals than any other organization in the country uh, and all of their kill shelters that they run, they decide that it's worth spending the money that all these stupid people in the world give them, ostensibly to save the lives of animals, ethical treatment, mind you, people for the ethical treatment of animals, they decide that it's not ethical for this photographer to spend all his time and money and risk his personal property and health and everything going into the goddamn jungle to take a selfie, have a monkey selfie being taken. They decide it's not ethical and not fair for the monkey to not get any sort of payment from David's uh, largesse that he's gotten from these images going viral, from these websites using them. So they sue him. And they're taking him to court. It's been going on for months now. I'm sure David spent a good amount of money defending it. Hopefully, he started Kickstarter shit. If if he had and I'd known about it, I would give him some money. But it's finally come to a resolution, although not the resolution I would have liked to see because they actually came to a settlement. Sadly. Because uh, I wanted to see this actually get ruled upon, even though... Even though I think it was in the one of the San Francisco courts of appeals, and uh, if I recall correctly, it was one of the crappier ones. It was one of the ones that was like more moronic than almost any court in the country. So they may have ruled with PETA, but still, we got denied that because they decided to settle as long as David gives Naruto. This is the monkey's name that took the selfie, by the way. Naruto, like the uh, ninja cartoon I've never watched. 25% of the money that he raises from any future sales. So it's not even going directly to Naruto. Of course, Naruto will be dead. But any money he makes, he has to donate 25% of that to charities dedicated to protecting the crested macaques. Macaques. <laughs> M-A-C-A-Q-U-E-S. I could look it up. Great. Guys, I know I could look it up ahead of the show. And I know I could learn how to say it, but what's the fun in that? We all know that half of you tune in to hear me struggle on this show. That's no, that's no uh, secret. I think we all can get behind that. So anyway, sorry uh, to David Slater uh, that this has come to this conclusion where the monkey's alleged ethical rights have demeaned you of hard-earned money at the hands of PETA's legislators. 
or uh, lawyers, pardon me. But uh, I guess that's the world we live in now. That's what's important to talk about. Uh, you know, monkey selfies, important to talk about. Hillary Clinton's book, important to talk about. Ted Cruz tweets, porno tweets, important to talk about. But, you know, God forbid anybody actually covers Rand Paul's trying to rein in the president's authority to declare wars without the approval of Congress. That nobody can give a damn about. So that's where we're going to end this show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I was uh, eh, maybe a little off this show. It took me a while to get started, if I'm being honest. I had to start the show like five different times. Let's <laughs> record. My brain, my brains, sometimes a little scattery. So anyway, that'll wrap this Electric Liberty Land, guys. Please do support the podcast. Give us some money. You could do that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. You can listen to all of our special content we create for you guys, which includes bonus interviews with some of the people that you hear on the show already. It includes uh, specialty lions and or libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor shows. It includes me getting hammered and yelling about topics, one of which will be coming up soon. I promise that to our Pride members. And all sorts of good stuff. So make sure to support the show if you got a few extra dollars. And uh, like I said, Daniel Lee also could use your help. So if not for us, please give some money to Daniel. Check out lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL37 for a link to Daniel's uh, donor C page. We could donate there. Don't forget to listen to our other shows. Mark Claire on Mondays, John Odermatt on Fridays. Follow me at Brian McWilliams on the Twitters. Follow at Lions of Liberty. Don't forget also to join the Facebook forum. I saw we just had a new member today who listened to his very first episode, so congratulations to you, sir. Welcome to the gang. Hopefully, when you listen to this, you're not too disappointed. (laughs) But uh, yeah, guys, that'll do it for me. So from Brian McWilliams, that's me. From Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to live.